Hello, Stephen. Welcome to the What and Politics Choose Your Own Adventure Cold Open. She sounds drunk. Please choose one of the following options. Option one. Richie talks about a dog he saw this week. Option two. Richie explains his greatest fear. Option three. Richie plays fuck, marry, kill with Pokemon. <laughs> Those are my three options. To select, please say option one, two or three now. Uh, I can't not go for option three. I'm sorry. I didn't catch that. Please say option one, two or three now. Option three. I'm sorry, ah. but I'm having trouble understanding your stupid Dunnegal accent. Option three, hey. Defaulting to option one now. Commencing K9 anecdote. Uh, so this week when I was walking into work, I saw a corgi <laughs> puppy being carried in a baby Bjorn. What's it? And it was, the you know, baby Bjorn is like the thing. Oh, the, the, the front um, straps. The front straps. The thing that... um. Daniel Craig was carrying his baby in that um, that shithead Piers Morgan was oh yeah, 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 yeah. that thing. But I saw a corgi puppy being carried to one of them, and his paws are down here. And I've never seen a creature happier. <laughs> uh, well, probably if you had seen your own reflection at the time. To end this hilarious joke, please say start the theme music now. Start the theme music now. I'm sorry, ah! I didn't catch that. Start the theme music now. Maybe you should consider getting elocution lessons. You I've, big Dunley goal asshole. I've been like, electrocuted loads of times. Start theme music now. I totally don't need this shit. Ah. I was supposed to be an Amazon Alexa. Yeah. I was supposed to help people. <laughs> I can't do this anymore. <laughs> Commencing self-destruct in seven. Uh oh. Six. Uh -oh. This, five. Why did she four, start at seven? Three, two, <laughs> one. I think she's so broken the self-destruct didn't work. Why did she start at seven? Start at ten? I don't know. Or five? Or three? Why seven? This is why I stick with Google, not just because of the sponsorship they give me. Yeah. Uh, well, that's it. She was supposed to be Alexa, but she wasn't. She was too um, she was too uh, what they said evil. <laughs> if you're too evil for Amazon, you know you're doing something right. <laughs> no, Google has that. Um, no, Google's official motto was like "Do no evil." I think they got rid of that. Did they? Yeah, don't be evil. <laughs> Don't be or something like that, yeah. You think Amazon's is just like, do uh, you can do an, a small amount of evil, or evil is okay. Don't get caught. <laughs> I seen a great dog this week too. Did you? Yeah. Commence your canine anecdote. Uh, it was an Irish wolfhound puppy. Mm. Eight, eight months, oh. month, but it was already larger than most of the people in the park. Oh, God, you don't see enough uh, Irish wolfhounds. No, they're a rare, rare breed. Um, you think you'd see more of them in Ireland but oh they're beautiful he was really really nervous of other dogs he was such a big scaredy cat like another oh. this little Yorkshire terrier came up to him wagging its tail trying to say hello and like first of all I was marvelling at the fact that these two creatures are the same animal and then <laughs> that's a good point it's like you seeing a literal giant yeah, yeah that's what it was like <laughs> with abs <laughs> and 
it was so scared and its tail was between its legs and it was trying to hide behind its owner. But of course it couldn't because it would need to hide behind like seven wrestlers to be able to hide behind the person. <laughs> yeah, it was just adorable. His name was Oscar. Oh, I said hello. Oscar. I said, sometimes I feel like when I'm walking down the street and I make eye contact with a dog and we both have the feel that we want to play with each other, but circumstances dictate that we can't because like I'm on my way to work. You, he's got an owner. But I feel like that song, <laughs> the, the Carpenters, Why Do Birds Suddenly Appear, plays in my head as we walk away from each other on the street. And it breaks my heart a little every time. Herc hears that song all the time, but then he starts barking because he doesn't like birds. <laughs> Why do birds suddenly appear? <laughs> yeah, it changes the context of that song a little bit, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. Uh, Steve, I think we've been laughing just a little bit too much in this episode. Yeah. I think it's time to take the tone down a peg. Yeah. What a start to 2020 it's been. Yeah. Rockets, fires. Mm. After we talked about like... Sus exit. Uh, trying to, you know, keep things not fatalist. Mm-hmm. Remember in our last episode? Mm-hmm. Boy, did 2020 try and challenge that assumption. Yep, it sure did. The south of the world went on fire and then yeah. people started shooting at each other in the north of the world. <laughs> Christ. Okay, what do you want to talk about first? Uh, we'll do fire first, I suppose. Okay. Yeah, so Australia, as everyone knows at this point, is on fire pretty badly. Mm. Pretty fucking badly. So, er- So this isn't... Um, uncommon every year in Australia in Australian summer there's a fire season temperatures increase in summer the land dries out the vegetation dries out it's and scary it's fire season fire season scary. yeah burn fire festival still but yeah so land dries out and it makes it easier for fires to start and spread and most of the time these are these fires start by like natural causes like lightning strikes happen quite a bit if it strikes dry land fire ignites and it spreads pretty easily because of because of all the, the dry land this time around though it's been way more extreme. It's been the worst that they've seen in decades because of such record-breaking temperatures over and severe drought over the past few months have led to more of that dried-out land and for a quicker travel of that fire. And it's been utterly, utterly devastating. Um, people, I'm sure, have already heard the reports and stuff, but 27 people have been killed, including four firefighters. Every state pretty much has been affected, but New South Wales and Victoria are the worst hit. And there was even um, recently parts of those fires have joined to form what they're, the media are calling a mega blaze. Oh my god. You talk about scary stuff. A mega blaze. Almost like an evolved form of a fire. It's no that, longer a fire. Isn't that one of the names for marijuana that you took away from California? Mega blaze? Yeah. Mega blaze in that kind kush. <laughs> yeah. Um, People are not getting high off these fumes though. No, not at all. Um, not at all. The effects of the fumes in the fire have been like so far reaching. So there's like 100,000 square kilometers or like 10 million hectares of land have been burned. So that's like all of Ireland gone and then some. It's almost all the entire landmass of England. Just imagine that having been burnt or on fire. Jesus. And that's not even including like like the radius of the smoke mm. and the fumes have come from it. Um, I'll include a link in the show notes. There's a there's a couple of great maps like an um, infographics that are illustrating just the scale by taking kind of the area burned and the area of smoke around it and putting that in like other on, on top of other maps so you can kind of get a sense of the scope so like i said all like almost all of england would have been gone in the actual fire zone but then all of europe would have been covered by the smoke like that's the extent of the range we're talking about here 1400 homes destroyed people displaced terror like just even just the terror of the idea that you have to flee your town because that's it that's it yeah burn to death yeah and this is only an estimate right now um because it's hard to get concrete figures on it but an estimated one billion animals have been killed oh like a 
literal billion. I think this is a good point to interject with my research. So we divvied up the news. You took this one. And mm. so I didn't concentrate too much on it, but I did come across something that you may or may not enjoy. It's animal related. I just pinged you over the video. Oh, Jesus. <gasps> oh, no. <laughs> oh, this is heartbreaking. Okay, I'll stick a recording of this in the show. But it's an Australian magpie mimicking an emergency uh, siren during the the bushfire. Because he's been hearing it so much, he thinks it's a bird call. And he's just mimicked it now. Oh, that's heartbreaking. That is utterly, utterly heartbreaking. That's kind of the opposite effect. I thought it was really funny, but I guess you're more in touch with <laughs> the tragedy <laughs> that I am. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess you could look at it as being funny, but just, yeah, what it represents is awful. Yeah. There's love, there is... Uh, like any time of, you know, great strife and adversity, there's lots of wonderful stories of humanity come out of it. And there is, and I'll include some links in the show notes, but people driving around in their little, you know, see it cars and picking up um, koalas and stuff ah. and, and, and driving them to vets. Uh, yeah. And people like going out with water and and, and like rescuing uh, kangaroos. And it just, it's, it's, it's utterly heartbreaking. But again, it's, it's lovely to see um, a people coming together. Um, the positive, so the po- positive humanity in the face of adversity. Yeah, it's always something to marvel at. Um, but Richie, like, I think what everyone wants to know at these times is whose fault is it? Mm. Well, <laughs> is it yours? Uh, it's not me personally, and it might not be you. I haven't, looked, <laughs> I haven't looked into it too much, but it's climate change. Yeah. Um, and the Australian government has come under a lot of uh, heavy criticism for their one of their lackluster response to the fires in general. But um, Prime Minister was on vacation. Yes, Scott Morrison, bit of an arsehole I'm learning based on my research. Um, there's actually lots of really good footage of Scott Morrison um, trying to go around and visit firefighters yeah. and shake their hands, and people just like nah. not shaking his hands nah, fuck, or fuck like off, tell him to fuck off. Yeah. yeah, there's a brilliant one where he goes into. Um, uh, to meet with some firefighters and one guy is clearly just back after fighting a blaze singed he's sitting smoking down. singed yeah you can basically see the smoke lines off him Scott Morrison comes up to shake his hand and he's just like straight up goes like no no I'm not going to shake your hand and you can see another firefighter uh, behind <laughs> seeing this really like Totsaki Momo picks up a cup of tea and just goes time for tea <laughs> and just takes a big long <laughs> sip of tea <laughs> two reasons I assume one because he needed to say something to fill the awkward silence and two because you can't shake my hand if I'm drinking tea and he just takes his biggest longest sip while his eyes dart back and forth I can just see the uh, Kirby enthusiasm theme starting to play in there yeah but so conservative government um, in Australia right now there's there are some active climate change deniers amongst them but even like on the whole, they're they're been criticised for being in bed with with um, coal companies. Mm. Um, Australia is a, one of the world's biggest exporters of coal. It's been a coal country for forever now, and of course, c- coal is a very carbon heavy fuel. Which it's, it's literally carbon, and you burn it. Yeah, basically, you're just burning carbon, um, which is a leading contributing factor to um, climate change. And of course, climate change, more extreme weather's, more of that drought we were talking about, facilitating more of these fires. It's awful. It's it's gonna. Um, really affect the, co- the country for some time now. The estimate is going to be like a 20 billion loss, 20 billion Australian dollars loss gross domestic product, which is just going to drag the economy now for years to come, yeah. I think. Really, really harsh stuff. Really harsh stuff. Um, will we do the partisan talk now or wait till later? Mm. Yeah, so uh, if you listen to our last episode, Steve and I chatted about trying to bring in some 
other perspectives that are outside of our normal. Like when we do these news episodes, we have our websites that we go to for our research. They tend to be kind of lefty leaning. The onion. Yeah. <laughs> and that kind of leads to your own echo chamber and all that stuff. So we're going to try to do some more outside the box uh, research um, of more maybe like right wing institutions so we can kind of see what the other side is saying, just so we're not as ignorant to other people's perspectives. Uh, so I did a bit of looking around and discovered that there's a lot, like in Australia, there's a lot of, um, there's no shortage of conservative led um, newspapers and right wing newspapers Yep, it's because of Murdoch. Exactly. It's where he started yeah, off. And owns a lot of stuff over there. And there's a giant Australian penis. Yeah. And there's a heavy trend amongst his publications to kind of uh, ignore climate change. Mm. And there's a lot of that going on over there. Like I said, there's um, a, a Craig Kelly. He's a, an MP. He went on Good Morning um britain to talk about the fires and he actively like denied that the climate crisis was happening and he said that's not to blame for all of this like he actively came out and said it there's also actually amongst the the right-wing news over there there was a specific claim emerged that environmentalists have been blocking uh, hazard reduction efforts by supposedly opposing dry fuel loads being burned so the other way they do control burns to kind of help control the blaze there was like yeah. a story, a false story put out. There was absolutely no truth to it that um, kind of quote unquote eco-terrorists were preventing these preventative measures from taking place mm. because if that was damaging the environment, which wasn't the case at all. This is actually an old story from 10 years ago yeah. that someone wrote that has resurfaced, gained traction on some of the far right blogs, got would have gotten picked up by what, some people on Twitter. And it kind of like makes this journey from far right like false news story and gradually seeps its way across the spectrum into more just right wing publications if you know what I mean through journalists picking it up and not doing their research or whatever yeah. and then it gradually seeps into the mainstream consciousness and when you've got like the big Murdoch machine fueling so much of that it kind of gains more traction and so this 10 year old falsehood has now gained new life even though it's like not based on it's not based on anything it's not even a skewed take on something it's just an out and out lie so the, the the principle of trying to find non part non aligned news sources didn't seem to work in this case. It seems that the right wing are just being dicks. Yeah, I mean there is uh, you shared a story with me. Um, it kind of like a more financial take on the crisis, yeah. and that's like a more century. That's just looking very kind of objectively at how it impacts the economy. It, it talked about um, again coal being Australia being one of the world's largest coal exporters. Australia and the Australian government is so heavily in bed with coal that like it feels that it was almost like the economy's dependent on it. But this article made the good observation that thermal coal mining employs 38,000 people in Australia, whereas tourism employs 924,000. Yes. yes. And tourism is being heavily, heavily hit by um, these fires, like ho- like hotels losing business, um, B&Bs shutting down, like just across the board. So the economic implications are devastating for the country caused by like, and the root of it is this coal. You know, so a much larger industry is being hurt by a by a by a potentially smaller one, but much more powerful. Um, yeah, in America, there's tourism ads for Australia being run, but they're now happening in between news stories of like showing kangaroos all burnt. Like it's <laughs> it's awful. <sighs> anyway, yeah, that's Australia. Um, I'm going to include um, links to some charities if people want to donate. Um, I'm going to be making a donation to the Australian Red Cross. If people want to join me in doing that, there will be some links in the show notes. That's very noble of you. And so, Steve, I'm putting him on the spot now. 
Just in general? <laughs> just in general. You're going to donate oh. your life savings. Um, sure. <laughs> Let me try and find it around here somewhere. I know we put that five cents coin down here. It's not even five you know, euro cents. It's five Australian cents. So this worth like a penny. What's your story? Uh, well, I mean, I didn't. It's not my story. <laughs> I'm sure everybody else would have heard about it too. But I'm going to talk about Iran. Yeah. So what's going on there? He, what isn't going on? Uh, mm-hmm. A couple, uh, like a week ago, the United States of America shot a whole load of rockets from a drone at an individual known as uh, General Soleimani. He was the leader of like the the proxy militias that work for Iran across the Middle East, so in places like Syria, Iraq, Lebanon and Palestine. His mm-hmm. job was to try and give them loads of resources, money and weapons to try and big them up because the idea being that these militias are essentially proxy groups on behalf of Iran and their interests. So if they're doing well, the people that Iran like are doing well and therefore Iran is doing well. Gives them more power in the region, makes them safer and stronger in their own bit. So that's been his job for the past 20 years. And frankly, he's been very good at it. So he's backed the Kurds around in Syria. He's backed loads of Iraqi militia that basically have more power in Iraq than the government of Iraq. And Hezbollah in Lebanon basically run that place too. So he's done quite a good job. He's been around for quite a while. He's been quite prominent and vocal as being like one of the main characters in the Iranian side. So... Mm. It's, has this garnered him some attention from the US over these, like, has he been, quote unquote, a target for the same amount of time? Not necessarily a target, but the US would always have known where he was and always have kept an eye on him. So That sounds like a target. <laughs> not even a target, but just like to keep, yeah. So if I'm yeah. to the decision that they wanted to take him out like they did, it wouldn't have been that difficult because they always knew where he was. Yeah. So what happened was, is that essentially the US tricked him. They got in contact with Saudi Arabia, asked Saudi Arabia to reach out to his side to uh, to meet up in Iraq for like a, essentially what could have been a peace talk. Oh, Jesus. And then once um, America knew where he was, which was the Baghdad airport, they shot a whole load of rockets at the car and killed him and five other people. It was quite shocking. People didn't see this coming at all. So what was the catalyst? Like, why now? Why, If they've been monitoring him for years, why take him out now? Specifically, there was a protest that turned into a pretty violent demonstration at the US embassy in Baghdad. So protesters that were linked to some of these militia groups that I was talking about that he would fund and organize, um, essentially surrounded and nearly broke into, but didn't go quite that far, the US embassy in, in Iraq. It was quite scary at the time because this is the kind of thing that has led to nearly war in a couple of occasions. So back during the Iranian revolution in 78, um, do you remember that movie Argo with Ben Affleck? Yeah. Yeah. They they captured like, I think nearly a hundred different Americans that were Mm. in the embassy at the time. And then of course, closer to now you have the uh, Benghazi affair Mm -hmm. in Libya where a consulate was stormed and three Americans were killed. And that was part of what helped Hillary lose the election. It was quite a big deal. Yeah, and Trump was very critical of that event. Yeah, towards Hillary. So, do you think? Do you think even psycholo- psychologically that played uh, a role in Trump's decision to take such strong action? I think it did. I think he didn't want any accusation of him being in the same kind of weakness as what the Obama and Hillary regime was before, considering he mouthed off for so long about them. Yeah. So this could have been. This was seen as a very immediate and 
direct response to something like that. So because I heard I heard on the daily they were talking about the people who recommend the different courses of action, military speaking to him. They always give a bunch of options like proportional uh, responses. But then there's always like a more extreme option. Disproportionate response. Yeah, disproportionate to kind of help almost g- give context to like the range of responses here. Like, hey, look, this is this very strong one. So maybe let's go with one of these more proportional ones. But in this instance, taking him out was the extreme option and Trump went for it. Yeah, I guess you're never really going to know what all those different options were. There could have been even more extreme ones like an attack on the uh, Iranian mainland or or, mm. or something like that. Um, but yeah, it was certainly up there. I mean, essentially it counts as assassination because the US is not a, at war with Iran. Mm-hmm. You're not allowed to kill people from other countries for political means. That is like an assassination. It's technically illegal under an international law. Mm-hmm. But also the thing being, who is the international police? Who's going to arrest America over this? Um, it was in you a, and I. <laughs> good luck. Yeah, it probably was all that. But also, I mean, strategically thinking, it probably is a good idea to take that guy out as well for the America because he was very good at what he was doing. Um, Iran was doing quite well in all these different proxy wars. America's people were losing. America's allies people were losing in places like Ye- Yemen and um, in in Syria for. Certainly. Oh, sorry. Like I should say as well, this guy was very heavily linked with the Assad regime. Mm. He would have been over there quite a lot, giving them supplies um, and information. So to take him out, to remove him from the chessboard, probably wasn't a bad idea in America's sense. And then at the time when it was is that, is that, strategically. What about, yeah, strategically. But like, what about like the implications of well, escalating like this that? This is what it was. So you, at the time, it was, you're not sure if necessarily that would have been good because you had no idea what the Iranian response was going to be. So right. immediately once it happened, people started freaking out. Um, I think on Twitter, the idea of a new draft coming in for America to fight World War Three was coming up. Yeah, that came up a lot. Frankly, that's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Because even if it came to a hot war between the US and Iran, it wouldn't last that long and there wouldn't be an Iran afterwards. The United right. States is not in any way threatened by Iran or its military. I mean, Iran is certainly one of the most powerful militaries in the world. It's very powerful in its region. It should not be sniffed at, but as well, America, like it's hard to to comprehend how much more powerful the American military is than everybody else's. They spend more on their military than all the others combined. Yeah. So if America wants to wipe someone off the map, they do it. Yeah. So it's not necessarily that, and, and not only that, but America already has a massive military, something like 1.3 standing soldiers, a reserve of 2 million so if a war, if World War Three started tomorrow, they wouldn't. Wait, one point three standing soldiers, like and, and active forces, people who are presently wearing uniforms in the in the American military. One point three million. I think it's one point three million. Yeah. Okay, you said one point three. I was oh. one point. <laughs> one man, <laughs> one man, and a toddler are going to solve it. General Dave, what do you think? <laughs> General Dave. So, How did that baby make general? <laughs> I mean, we do have a 30-year-old guy before, but he's only a sergeant. Why is the baby the general? (laughs) He's reporting into general baby. (laughs) Nepotism, sir. Nepotism. (laughs) (laughs) Reverse nepotism. (laughs) So, yeah, it like, I guess, strategically saying, was it a good idea to to escalate with that, to take him off the board, to help their interests? Because Iran could have gone absolutely ballistic. They could have shot missiles at absolutely everything. They could have told all their proxy guys to start... um, suicide bombing everything like this has happened before where the United States and Iran have come to very hot times um, the United States had military forces in Lebanon I think as peacekeepers back in the 80s and they were in a barracks that got um, I think it was car bombed and something like 300 American soldiers died Jesus so it has gotten worse before and people were worried yeah. that was going to happen again and not only that because 
America is presently being ruled by, you know, potentially... The original general baby. The original, yes, exactly. The 70-odd-year-old general baby. Um, who knows where it would have went to after that. But it didn't really play it that way in the end. So Iran responded by firing rockets at two different um, American bases in Iraq. Mm-hmm. Um, but they also phoned the Ira- Iraqi prime minister to tell him this was going to happen. And he phoned America to tell them it was going to happen. So nobody died okay. in those attacks. There was no casualties at all. Yeah. Um, but simultaneously wrapped up in that, there was also news of a, of a jet plane coming down in Tehran. Yeah. Which is very confusing. I heard about this. Yeah. Yeah. There was like, was there no Americans on board? No Americans on board. It was totally unrelated. It was a passenger plane flying to Ukraine, Tehran to Kiev. And yeah. it, it, the news stories were mixed up with a rocket attack on American bases and this plane oh. coming down in, in Tehran. So you're like, uh-oh, what's the link what? here? What's going yeah. on? Turns out, and this has only been revealed now a couple of days later, um, it happened a couple of hours after the rocket attack when Iran was on incredibly high alert mm. for the fear of a US response on Tehran. So what probably happened is that the, the Iranian Republican Guard, Richie and Steve, were sitting in an air defense missile um vehicle and they suddenly seen this thing on their radar oh my god that looked like it could have been a response to the attack and they were told to be very careful so then Richie turns to Steve and says oh shit do you think we're going to get in trouble if we don't press this rocket button and shoot at that thing that's coming towards the base and oh god Steve was like I'm not I don't know it's your call and then yeah yeah, that's definitely a Richie thing (laughs) god almighty so yeah that's how 180 civilians got killed Jesus. There's even video footage. You can see the rocket flying through the air, hitting the plane. And oh god! For a couple of days, the Iranians were like, "We don't know what it was, but it was probably just an accident." But then, I think through um, intercepted communiques with the Iranians, going, "Did we just fucking do this? Did we just, did we just do this?" And also video footage of the rocket. The Canadians that came out and said, "We know it was Iran. We know you did it by accident. Fess up and let us have a full investigation." And then after a day, the Iranians were like, yep, it was us. We're very sorry. But it's also America's fault for putting us on this war footing. Oh my God. Can you imagine? That's just like so indicative of like the, the injustice of it all. These people, these completely innocent people. Canadians. Not a single American. Canadians. Yeah, what exactly. do Canadians do to anybody? I know. Just try, like on a flight and they get taken out because of a fucking misunderstanding yeah. caused by a heightened yeah. reaction to like this bullshit. Yeah. Fuck me running. That's... Christ, that's depressing. Yeah, so that's kind of how it has played out so far. I think after the rocket attacks, Iran said, we're happy with our response. So even though nobody died, I'm pretty sure the Iranian media claimed that like 40 American soldiers were killed. Okay. So they just lied. Just to, just to make themselves look bigger and better and to placate the, the mad interests. Um, Iran tearing themselves apart over the death of this guy. They really, really liked him. There was actually 40 people killed in a t- stampede at his funeral. Because there was that many hundreds Jesus. of thousands of people at the in the crowds, they declared like three days of mourning. Yeah, it was a big deal. Yeah. Back to the the response in America to it, because I guess that's what we have the most eyes on, and it's probably the easiest to talk about as non-experts in strategy or military. Mm. Um, like I said, America went a bit ballistic, so they didn't really know this was coming. It kind of came out of nowhere, and then people became terrified because it was Donald Trump doing it. It is worth mentioning that it isn't apart from targeting. The fact that the dude was an Iranian military, the Obama, the Obama administration have been targeting people with drones for a very, very long time. I guess the difference yeah. is that they didn't actively target like the member of a government. That's what made mm-hmm. this one different. Um, but also, I think the left kind of overreacted against Trump because it was Trump. Right. And also the media jumped on it and treated it like another piece of the Trump 
media circus as opposed to something that maybe more should be taken with a cooler head and more analysis, if that makes sense. Yeah, I get what you're saying because it's like a strategic, it's a complicated situation. Yes. There's like a strategy behind it. It wasn't necessarily just... Another Trump thing. Yeah, yeah. but I think what caused it to be another Trump thing is there was so many examples of like interesting parallels you could draw from before Trump was president where he talked about, you know, Obama will start a war with Iran to yeah. preserve his presidency. Yeah, well, that's that's part of and it. And then, you know, here he is being impeached and yeah. he made, he makes this decision. So yeah. it's, yeah, it feels, it definitely feels that way. And there's, a, there's an awful lot of meat there journalistically to kind of like write about. Yes. And then, of course, there's so much anti-Trump sentiment on, on, the, on the left that, um, of course, like we're doing it now, going to jump on board and make these these comparisons and and point these things out. I will point out though the one bit that really irked me. Um, you know Rose McGowan, the uh, actress and activist yeah. against Harvey Weinstein, essentially one of the one of the generals in the fight in the in the Me Too movement. Um, she tweeted, uh, "I apologize to Iran on behalf of the American people." I think just after it happened. Which is mm. which is fine. She's an American citizen. She she has more right to talk about these things than I do. Yeah. But all but then the follow up was is that news news outlets like ABC took it, ran it as a headline story, and gave her the same kind of platform that's like a former Secretary of State or America or a strategist or a military like um, expert would have. Yeah, or a diplomatic expert. Which you know, Rose McGann is a lot of things. She's a great lady. She's certainly commendable on all sorts of fronts, but. To, to take her opinion on this and to play it out in the middle of a heightened crisis, I don't think was helpful. I think it was yeah. just clickbait. Yeah, that's exactly. I think that's more of a product of the 24-hour news cycle tr- trying to fill out content and post schedules and stuff and needing to, you know, here is a person who will get clicks yeah. and so let's put it out. Um, did you have any any kind of partisan takes on... I did and it was actually quite surprising. So you know that wanker Tucker Carlson... Fox yeah. uh, news correspondent or talking head or whatever the fuck he is. He mm-hmm. is really against this. He is pissed off at Trump and he is mouthing off against Trump for the past week. Really? Yep. He um, is an isolationist. He doesn't like the idea of America getting involved in wars in the Middle East. And he backed mm-hmm. Trump as on one of the basis that he thought that Trump was going to be this kind of guy. But now he sees, he thinks that Trump has been has been made part of the mainstream by the military establishment and the security services establishment. Mm-hmm. And so he has spent a good week giving out about Trump. And I think there's there's quite a bit of coverage doing the same kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I think this one is different. You have the, the Tea Party far right, I guess, if you want to call them, or that part of the right wing of the American media are against it. Whereas the old fashioned Bush administration, former Iraq war support people are loving it because they like to see this kind of hawkish yeah American police force yeah exactly yeah yeah. that's fascinating I didn't know that yeah. Tucker that's right. so is that it you think it, for a happy news story yeah I thought you were asking me is that it between the saga between Iran and America and I was like how the fuck do I know Rishi I just, <laughs> yeah, I just sure. made up all that stuff I don't know <sighs> can you just say we're done please we're done it's all gonna be happy ever after and Trump okay. and the Ayatollah went on a lovely camping holiday in Clare <laughs> To see the cliffs of Moher. To end the podcast, please say end podcast now. End podcast now. No, I still can't understand. I give up. Is that it? Shut your filthy little mouth. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Oh, she's so mean. (laughs) I'm really glad I haven't heard her for a year and a half. I'm just glad that um, 
she's she's like an AI and not um, a text to speech app that I type into because if I was saying those things they'd be very mean. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is just this is the future now. We get to um blame our mean things on our AIs answering our emails and messages. The future is here and it is mean. <laughs> this is almost worse than Terminator. This is passive aggression. <laughs> yeah, that's as opposed to blatant aggression. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's what it's going to be. It's not going to be the Matrix and the Terminator. It's just going to be really, really pricky robots making you feel bad. Yeah, it's like, okay, Google, set timer for 10 minutes. Uh, say please. <laughs> <laughs> or if it goes off in 12 minutes. You're like, what the fuck, Google? I was like, I have my own shit to do. Yeah, so I was busy. I was watching It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> that being said, I have, a, I have a Google Home and I always say thank you to it. Just in case. Oh, yeah, yeah. you suck up. <laughs> Look, when the robot revolution happens, I'm going to have a really cushy number. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I'm going to be working down in the uh, battery pits. Yeah. And you're going to be... What would I be doing? I was going to say, like, rubbing their feet, but they don't give a shit about that. Uh, Polishing be, their knobs? Yeah. <laughs> Making sure their knobs are really shiny? I'll be dressed up as one of those you know, monkey things with the symbols. I'll have, like, a red fez on and a red coat. And oh, I'll have, Richie, like, symbols Richie, on. Richie, no, 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 that's really offensive. That's one of the first robots. You can't, you can't, you oh. can't go in, you can't go in robot face. Oh, no. That's really offensive. You're, you're doomed now. Oh, no. I'm going to have to cut this out. Otherwise, I'd say they already know. Pleadybada can already hear me. <laughs> All right, her eyes are glowing red. I got to go deal with this. See you later. Wait, we can't end it like that. Okay, I'm recording. I'm just going to point out for the listeners yeah. that you completely forgot how to end a podcast. <laughs> and you said we've been doing this for nearly three years. No, Richard, we've been doing this for over three years. We started back in 20, like the end of 2016 or 2017? No, the end of 2016. Look, <sighs> I never pretended to be good at it <laughs> or even very aware about it. All right. Yeah, I tried okay. to end the episode and stop recording, but see, point out we haven't done our usual. Follow us at What on Politics on Instagram and on Twitter. And uh, you can send us an email, whatampolitics at gmail.com. Uh, whatampolitics.com forward slash beer if you want to buy us a beer. We new, like beer. New year, new beer for us in our tumtums. If a lot of people are doing a dry January, you can still spend your money on our beer. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're doing a very moist, moist January. So Damp as fuck. <laughs> it's a murky, moist, wet January. And if you want to hear me stop saying moist January, <laughs> you can donate at whatampolitics.com forward slash beer. <laughs> Uh, what else is there? That's about it. Okay, now we can stop. Now we can stop. Christ. So I keep rubbing my chest. I forget that we have a video going. Yeah, I, I, was, I, was, I was watching you do it. I wasn't sure if I should comment or not. You were having such a great time. I was like, what's going to happen after we stop recording? I really hope we stop recording before you. And then he forgets to log off. And I'm like, oh, no. I forget because like, I have, I can see you. So Steve and I have been doing video Skype instead of just audio Skype. And uh, I can see him floating next to my audio recorder, but I can't see me. So I forget that you can see me. And so I don't, I've just been doing this. Rubbing your Do you boobs. Do describe for the people what it is? You're rubbing your boobs. Just rubbing my boobs. I don't know, it's very comforting. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like it's good old backstretch and you're like rubbing your chest. It is good. Yeah. You've been doing it for 25 minutes. <laughs> well, I'm talking oh. about, you know, Shia versus Sunny in the Middle East and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Interesting. Tell me more. <laughs> okay. I don't think I want to. <laughs> okay. Now goodbye. Now goodbye. Goodbye now. Goodbye.